welcome to Hope City Church, Melbourne, Australia. Stay tuned for another inspiring message by Pastor Andrew McGrath. I want to talk to you today about trading in God's goodness. Trading, as in share trading, trading money, trading. But we're called to trade in the goodness of God. And I want you to look at Luke 19, 11, because I'm going to sh- share some things out of this passage that you may not have seen before. So I'm excited. You ready? Now, as they heard these things, Jesus spoke to them another parable. Because Jesus was near Jerusalem and because they thought the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. Therefore, Jesus said, a certain nobleman went into a far country to receive for himself a kingdom and then to return. Jesus is going to start something and come back and it's going to be finished. So here's the question that we need to ask ourselves as followers of Jesus. Why, what was the primary reason that Jesus came to this world? And I believe, like many other teachers, that the primary reason that Jesus came was to reveal to the world a good father. And all the other things... uh, part of the parcel, but the primary reason that Jesus came to this world was to reveal to you and to me, to everyone here, to all of this city, to everyone that's ever been born, that there is a God in heaven, a Father in heaven that is extremely good to us. We can take this for granted, you know. I went away last week and had an opportunity to sit around lots of people in crowds for periods of time and watch the way families interact, yell at each other, scream, fight, do all sorts of crazy things. And, and I, you know, we can get that sort of propensity to look down at people like, oh, what am I doing around these people? But we forget deep down that this world is in pain, is hurting, is in desperate need for the revelation that they have a good, good father. And all the externals, all the anger, all the frustration, even for people now in their later age of life, it stems down to this one thing, is that they haven't had this deep revelation of the goodness of God, the Father God, towards us as people. Jesus came to receive for himself a kingdom and to return. And when I think about the whole scope of the Bible and creation, we go back to the beginning where Adam and Eve, because of their choices, their life was forever altered because they disobeyed God by not believing this one thing, that he is a good, good father. And everything that spiraled out of control is the result of this premise that they had, that they distrusted the heart of a good father. They believed the lies of the original orphan. That's what I call Satan. He's the original orphan. He lied to them about the heart of the father. And they swapped garments of glory that they were covered in. And the glory is a picture of God's goodness. Imagine being covered 
in the glory of God, the goodness. They were covered in the revelation that they had a father that was tender and compassionate, relentless in his pursuit of them. They woke up to see his face. He breathed in them the breath of life. They were filled with his glory and they swapped that for orphan rags or fig leaves. And it's interesting, the very thing that Jesus rebukes as he goes into Jerusalem is the fig leaves. He rebuked that orphan spirit before he hung on the cross. And Jesus says in his parable, I've come to receive for myself a kingdom. It's a kingdom of children that are relentless in their understanding that they have a good, good father. Are you getting this? A good, good father. So I shared with you last week, and we've been talking about love and the goodness of God for a number of weeks, that the first words that God spoke to this world, the first four words were what? Let there be light. Let there be light. Let there be a manifestation of the love of God because light is a manifestation of God's love we shared last week. So we're children of light, which means that we are carriers of the love of God. We are created to manifest God's love. We're not children of darkness, selfishness, but we carry the light. We are the light of the world now. We are manifestations of God's heart and his goodness everywhere we go. So God said, let there be light. Because he was speaking to a world that had a love deficit that was filled with darkness, the orphan spirit. And into this that he creates Adam and Eve. And Jesus promised us in his parable that he's going to receive, going to build a kingdom, receive a kingdom, and he's going to return. That's going to be accomplished. I love this because he's promising us that the job's going to get done. That there will be a church, a people, that have this unbelievable understanding of the goodness of God towards them, no matter what they see in the natural. They will not be moved by what they see and what they feel, by the sense realm. They will not be moved because the share market's up one day and down the next. They will not be moved because of the attitudes of government or people towards them. They will be fixed in this understanding that my father is good, And he is always kind towards me. He's going to receive for himself a kingdom. And then he's going to return. Isn't it interesting that when Jesus was getting ready to return to the Father, he looks to the disciples and he says this, I'm going back. I'm going to return again, but I'm going back to my Father. But you need to understand this, that I've come to receive a kingdom, but I'm going to go away for a while, then I'll return. But while I'm away... I'm not going to leave you as orphans. You're going to have this revelation of the goodness of a father towards you for the rest of your life. I will not leave you as orphans. It's interesting that in the New Testament, the word for orphans is mentioned five times in the, in the epistles. And it's in reference to this, to this mindset that an orphan was both one that had no father or mother, so their father and mother had left them. But also, it's for a student that's lost their teacher. And Jesus said that, I'm going to send you one called the Holy Spirit, and he's going to bring the spirit of adoption inside you. Did I say adoption or orphans? I said orphans, didn't I? I mean adoption, sorry. Five times adoption is mentioned in the Bible. Five times 
Jesus mentions, sorry, the New Testament mentions this concept of adoption. That we're no longer orphans, but we've been adopted into the family. Romans 8 tells us that the Holy Spirit who's come inside us, he comes and he, he pushes out this orphan spirit and he brings a spirit of sonship and the spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. We're adopted into the family of God. And it's interesting that Scripture uses this concept when we think about the Father, that we're no longer orphans, but we're adopted into the family. That's the goodness of God. Why did, why did God use this concept of adoption? Because, you know, as Paul talked to the, the church, who were, a lot of them had this Roman mindset. When you had children as a Roman, you could, I guess you didn't, Choose what you got. You just it, out it came. It was either a boy or girl. You didn't get any choice, and by law you could disown your child. But in the in the in these New Testament times, if you adopted a child, you chose that child. You looked at that child. You knew what you were getting, and when you made that choice, it was for life. You could never disown that child. It was yours forever. That child had the same rights. As any other child, it had the same inheritance. But one thing it had that no other child had in that family, it was eternally secure in the knowledge that it had a father and a mother that would never, ever abandon them. And Jesus, sorry, God says through Paul that you are adopted into the family of God. So Jesus says in the parables, I've come to receive a kingdom. It's a kingdom filled with adopted children that are now sons and daughters of the living God, have a revelation of the goodness of God towards them, eternally secure in his love for them. Hebrews 13 says, I will never, never, never let go of you. I will never leave you or forsake you. So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. That word helper is, is an amazing word. It means one who comes running when we cry for help. The Lord is my helper. God has created a kingdom of adopted children that have this, this amazing understanding that they're adopted into the family, loved by him, that they are consumed with the goodness of God towards them. He came to receive for himself a kingdom. Verse 13. And so he called ten of his servants, and he delivered to them ten little coins. And he said to them, do business till I come. And his citizens hated him. And they sent a delegation after him and said, we will not have this man reign over us. And so it was when he returned, having received the kingdom, he commanded those servants to whom he'd given the money to be called to him, that he might know how much they had gained by trading. Say, by trading. Then came the first and said, Lord, here's your coin. I've taken that coin and now I've got ten of these coins. He said, well done, servant. You have faithful in little. I'm going to give you authority over ten cities. So here's a thought. What if these coins that are now left to the servants so the master's come, he's given a coin to each servant and he's gone back. He's going to come again, he's going to come back again in some time, but he's given each servant a coin. What if these coins represent 
the revelation of the goodness of God towards mankind. And he gave each servant a coin, a revelation of the goodness of the Father towards us. Ten servants, all the same revelation that the Father is a good Father. We get to receive this revelation in the midst of a hostile environment. It says that the citizens hated him. We don't want you. So he gives them a coin, the servants a coin, and all around them there is hostility and anger towards this good, good father. And yet God expects us to take this coin and multiply it in the midst of a hostile world. The hostility is not to make us bitter, but to establish our deep faith in God. I've wondered a lot about this. I don't know about you. I don't know what you think about during the week, but I wonder about God and his relationship with me. I wonder sometimes why things are quiet. I read stories about people that hear God speak all day long. I think, well, maybe I don't fast enough. But the truth is God veils himself in our world to give us enough freedom to choose him. So we will align our hearts because if he didn't veil himself to some degree, it would overwhelm us and there'd be no choice. So he leaves us in the midst of a hostile world to take this revelation of goodness and begin to develop it. Have you heard of the attachment theory? 1950s it was created there was a I wrote about this in the gospel calling to know where they they did these testings on children like guinea pigs I think they had a hundred mothers and children they would test one at a time mother and child at a time and they would put the mother in the room with the child observe how they interacted then they would take the child out of the room and I may get one of the sequences wrong but You'll get the understanding. Then they would, when the mother was taken out of the, out of the room, they would observe the child to see whether it had bonded with the mother enough to be in a hostile environment and still not lose the plot. Where they could draw on those memories of attachment. They wanted to see whether the, the child had attached to the mother in such a degree that when there was separation, it could draw on memories of the bonding in the past to soothe itself in the midst of separation then they would bring in a stranger a bit like the garden of eden and the stranger would stand next to the child and they observe how the child interacted with it ignore the stranger whether it got uh, upset how it reacted then the mother would come in there'd be the child the stranger and the mother then the mother would leave again then the mother would come back in and then the stranger would leave. And they would observe the child through this process to see the effects of bonding and attachment between a mother and a child. And it's the same with us in this world that we're in a hostile world. And God's using that to show us how much we've truly attached to him. See, in the garden, I believe that and this is just my theory. I know other, other preachers and teachers don't agree with this. So you can make your own mind up. But 
I believe that when God put Adam and Eve in the garden, that he didn't put them in cotton wool. Now, I know some people say that Satan wasn't really Satan and God would never put Adam and Eve in the garden with a monster, a stranger. That would be child abuse. But God was setting Adam and Eve up to partner with him in changing the world that was filled with darkness. This little garden was a training ground for them going into a dark, angry world and subduing it. So God would come into the garden, spend time with Adam and Eve and walk in the cool of the day and then he would leave. Would he not? Where did he go? Why did he leave them? What were they to do while he was gone? Where was God when the enemy came to Adam and Eve? The stranger. I think God was allowing that test to take place. Have you developed such a bond with me that I can leave and a stranger can come in and you won't react in a poor way? I'm getting you ready to trade in goodness. I want you to have such a revelation of me embedded within you that you can deal in a dark, hostile world and take ground. And I believe what Adam and Eve failed to do in the garden, God's getting the church ready to do now. And maybe some of the hostility and the silence that you are feeling and the noise that seems to come against the goodness of God, maybe that's the training ground that God has you in. So you get this deep revelation. See, anyone can get a revelation of the goodness of God in heaven. Or if God came in his fullness now, we'd all be just, yes, we believe. But that doesn't bring transformation. We know that. Scripture shows us through the history of the Old Testament. You can encounter God and walk off and within a short time you can have a golden calf. You can encounter God and say, I know who you are. You're a Christ, the Son of the living God. And in the next breath you can be rebuked for doing the deeds of Satan. So it's not just an encounter with God that we need where God overwhelms us, but he wants to train us so we carry and nurture this coin of goodness in a hostile world. Is this making sense? Hmm. So the question in this passage is this. Do you want God's goodness to reign over you? The, the citizen said, we will not have this man reign over us. And every single person here today has to make this critical decision. In fact, I believe outside of your salvation, this is probably the most important decision you will make. You ready? Will I allow the revelation of God's goodness to dictate the way I see life? Did you get that? Say it again. Will I allow the revelation of God's goodness in my life to dictate the way I see, the way I see life? That is, the, the citizen said, we will not have this man reign over us. And do you know, the, the tragedy is many Christians, and maybe some here today, have said, I will not allow the revelation of God's goodness to reign over my life. I'm angry. I'm cross. 
I've had some hostility in my life and I'm ticked off. And secretly, you're getting that coin and we're going to get to it soon and you're going to bury it under the ground because it was hostile. God has amazing confidence in that coin that he's placed in your hand, the revelation of his goodness. So the question is, will I allow his goodness to reign over me? Because our assignment is to trade in the goodness of God. That's your assignment. If you want to know why you're here today, this is what God's called you to do. He's called you to trade in the revelation of the goodness of God that he's placed inside your heart. Should I say it again? He's called you to trade in the revelation of his goodness towards you. Every day you wake up, if you say, God, what do you want me to do? This is what he wants you to do. Trade in the revelation of the goodness of God towards me. Take it, multiply it, use it, give it away. Sow it, nurture it, build it, multiply it. That's your assignment. Does that excite anybody? In Exodus 34, God revealed his glory to Moses and he made all his goodness pass by him. You know the scripture, many of you. He proclaimed the name of the Lord to Moses, saying, The Lord God, compassionate, gracious, slow to anger, abounding in unfailing love. God made all his goodness pass by Moses. And get this. Once the goodness of God, I don't know what it looked like, but he went past Moses and his goodness. So there was a revelation of God's unfailing love and tenderness. Imagine that being hidden because it was so overwhelming. God said, all right, I'm going to let my goodness go past you. And we know this. It was so overwhelming that when Moses came down the mountain, his face shone so much that he had to put a veil on. That's what we trade him. What alters the appearance of Christians is not that they've said the four spiritual laws. It's that they've had an encounter with the goodness of God. Because I've met a lot of bitter, angry, sour, lemon-sucking Christians <laughs> that you need to say, okay, you need to trip up the mountain. You, you, need, a, you need 40 days looking in the mirror of the goodness of God until you get this revelation that, that his love for me defines me more than the hostility that's around me. See, in the garden, remember I taught you that faith comes out of an encounter with God's love. And faith dictates my sense realm. Not my sense realm dictates my faith. It's only when Adam and Eve fell that the sense realm became the master. Remember the parable about the master and his servant? He says to the servant, you need to feed me first, and then when I'm eaten, then you can eat. And you've just done your service. I'm not even going to thank you. That's the sense realm. The sense realm, its job is to serve faith. Faith doesn't serve my sense realm. It doesn't say when everything's perfect, then I'll believe in the goodness of God. Anyone can do that. But faith says, I've had an encounter with the heart of God. I speak to my sense realm that is saying everything opposite to what I believe. And I say, you must serve me. And when I have that faith, my sense realm will come into alignment. 
There's a lot in that. What was given as a gift to these servants who had eyes to see was traded until there was such an overflow. And here's the thing. If you release the goodness of God, you'll get more. If you love others, you'll get more. See, those that are so focused on hostility tend to become self-focused, self-absorbed, depressed. Now, I'm going to make a generalized statement, so don't throw stones. But a lot of depression, a lot of anxiety, and a lot of things that we medicate could be changed if we would begin to let the goodness of God in us flow out to other people. They traded with this goodness by giving it out. By they, they began to work it each day, giving out to people. Do you know, I was at a, a place this week and I was served by a lady who was singing, a young lady. And uh, she heard there was a radio going in the background playing some heathen song. But she was singing and so happy. And, and she didn't realize I was there. She was serving me in real life. She'd been singing. She apologized. I'm so sorry for singing. I've got such a terrible voice. I'm really sorry. And I just let the goodness of God go at her. And her face changed. I said, no, you're amazing. Keep singing. I love it. I did. It was amazing. And the good, see, it's just the little acts of kindness and tenderness and the goodness of God where we let it flow. And we don't always get it right, but when we're conscious of that, it begins to multiply here. And this coin, as I read this scripture, it has power to change nations. Because as they multiply and are faithful, the master comes back and says, you know what, you've been faithful in a little. This was your training ground to have authority over cities and nations. So here's my theory. It's those that trade in the goodness of God that he entrusts with great authority over cities and nations. Verse 20. Then another came and said, Lord, here is your coin. I put it in a hanky for I feared you because you're an austere man. You're angry, hard to please. Isn't that interesting? He'd been given the goodness of God. So he's not one of the citizens. He's, he's a child. He's been given this gift. But he fears. You collect what you didn't deposit. You reap where you don't sow. How we see God is so important. Because as I read this, God answers us according to how we see him. If that's how you see me, that's how I respond. Have you noticed that in your life? You're the one to a degree that determines what God looks like. Now, I know it doesn't change God, but you're the one that shapes God. And we do that through his word. But if your mindset of God is wrong, well, that's how God will be to you. Out of your own mouth, I will judge you. Oh, I can never please him. Oh, this world's so hard. He says, out of your own mouth, you'll be judged. If you see me as a good father, guess what? Goodness will pervade your life. Yeah, but you don't understand, Andrew. I've had such a tough year. These coins were given in the middle of hostility. They can work in any environment. The goodness of God is greater. The Bible says love almost never fails. It never fails. These coins, 
If you will nurture them and trade in them, they will grow and grow and grow and grow. And not just grow in your life, but they will bring you to new realms of authority. That's the goodness of God. And the master said, why didn't you put my money in the bank? Then it might come in, you could have collected with interest. And he said to those who stood by, take the coin from him, give it to the one who has ten. That's the way the kingdom works. The one that has more gets more. That's not fair. But hang on. The one that has the greatest revelation of the goodness of God always positions themselves for more. You, have, you make that choice. John's the one that rested his head on Jesus' chest. I'm the one that Jesus loves. He pursued the goodness of God in his life. And more was given. For I say to you that everyone who has will be given. From him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. So it's not complicated in this story. The thief comes to steal and destroy but God is a good God. It's all about how we see, how I see whether I bury this goodness of God and refuse to believe it or whether I embrace it. I want to challenge you about your revelation of God's goodness. You may have had bad things happen to you. Join the queue. You've had a microphone, a roving microphone. We could all tell our sob story and we'd all be in tears. Couldn't we? I'll see that and match that another one. You've seen nothing. You should have seen my life. I've overcome so many obstacles. Now, we're not downplaying people's pain. It's real and it hurts. But here's the deal. If it's good, it's God. If it's bad, it's not. John 10.10, the thief comes to steal, kill and destroy. He's a stranger and we don't listen to his voice. He says, but I have come that you would have life, an abundant life. Abundant life. So I've got to adjust my thinking and I've got to soften my heart to tune in to the goodness of God, the revelation of his goodness towards me. Here's a thought, Psalm 33, 5. It says this, the earth is full of the goodness of God. Do you know that word full has a number of meanings, but the first meaning is fenced. The earth is fenced by the goodness of God. It tells me that my faith, listen, can only extend as far as my understanding of God's goodness. If my understanding of God's goodness is small, it will determine the boundaries of my life. The earth is full Of the goodness of God. You set the boundaries. You set the fence. Well, not my past. I'm not allowing my fence to go back into my past. Not my present. Not my future. No, the earth is full of the goodness of God. Well, that's just denial. No, it's not denial. Faith sees through the eyes of love, not through the sense realm that we all can experience. The earth is full. Of the unfailing love of God. Let me read you some scriptures. Just to make the sermon official. <laughs> Psalm 27, 13. I would have lost heart unless I believed that I would see the goodness of the Lord in heaven. In the land of the living. 
I would have lost heart. See, the thing is, you've got two choices. You can either walk through life with your heart damaged and broken, or you can say, I'm going to see, I will see each day the goodness of the Lord in the land. Of, that's now. So we're not those people that believe in the sweet by and by, steak on your plate, you know, in heaven, it's all going to be wonderful. No, we believe that we are called to arise and shine now because the light has come and the glory of the Lord has risen upon me. Yes, deep darkness will fill the earth, but the light is shining now. The goodness of God is in the land of the living. Not sometime in heaven, but now takes no faith to believe in the goodness of God in heaven. Psalm 34, 8. Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. Do you see the goodness of God? Are you, taste, are you experiencing it? Psalm 119, 68. You are good and you do good. Did you hear that? Maybe you need to write that on your mirror. God, you are good and you do good. And everything else... Is not you. I believe in the goodness of God. Psalm one, sorry, Genesis one thirty one. The Lord saw all that He made, and behold, it was very good. Whatever God makes is good. Psalm one hundred three eight. The Lord is merciful and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in goodness and mercy. Nahum one seven. The Lord is good. He is a stronghold. In the day of trouble. What keeps you in the day of trouble? This, the revelation of God's goodness. Without that, you'll fall apart. I am speaking from experience. I have faced trouble like you have. And the thing that has got me through so I can stand here today is I made a decision. God is good. And that was my stronghold when everything around me was crumbling. The goodness of God. That's what causes the light to shine. See, that's the difference between someone who doesn't believe in the goodness and someone that does. In, in, in hostility, one shines like a beacon. One sees a way forward when the other doesn't. James 1.17, every good gift and every perfect gift is from where? Above. And comes down from the Father of light. In whom there's no variation or shadow of turning. God has no little secret, hidden, dark things to slap you over the head when you're not looking. God's not making you pay because you did something wrong when you were 17. How often the devil's reminded me of my sin. You know what? You're getting what you deserve because you did something wrong 20 years ago. He's the father of light. His forgiveness is permanent. His love over me is constant. He's not punishing you. He's not out to get you. He doesn't slap you when you fall. He's a good father. He says, if you've been earthly fathers, know how to give good gifts, how much more? It's like, come on. What do you take me for? Some sort of cosmic terrorist? I'm a good father. I'm a good father. So God longs to manifest his goodness through us, for us to trade in his goodness. Can I share just a couple more things with you? That in doing this, this is what's really important, that we discover his heart and we declare it. Yeah. I'm really big on this, yeah. to discover the goodness of God and to declare it every 
single day. The Bible says we prophesy according to our faith. If your faith is in a God that has a world out of control, where everything's going to get worse, if your faith is in the government, is, is going pear-shaped, if your faith is in a, a faulty economy, if your faith is seeing all the negative, you will prophesy according to your faith. And here's the deal, is prophecy is not just foretelling, it is also creative. So the Bible says that life and death are in the power of the tongue. So when you prophesy, people prophesy doom and when it happens, see, see, I was a prophet. No, 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 you created that. You weren't foretelling what God wanted, you created stuff with the words of your mouth. So we begin to discover God's heart and declare it. Why do we talk so much about this city in, in, when we meet? Because we believe the goodness of God is over this city. Yeah. I don't care what other people say about this city. God loves this city. In fact, he holds this city in his hands. And when I pray, I close my eyes as I look out the window of my room and I can put my hands, I imagine all the boundaries of this city. I go out and I've told you to Tullamarine and even as far as Lilydale. Can any good thing come out of Lilydale? That's good. I agree. And then let's go a little bit further than Lilydale, Hale. Is there anyone that lives out near um, Yarra Glen? Oh, that's not Melbourne. And then we, we come around and, and you get the boundaries. You go along Brighton and you come around and you grab the city and you speak the goodness of God over it. It's like holding a child. You hold it in, in your arms and you speak life and affection, and appreciation, and the child comes alive. We trade in the goodness of God. So he gives us a minor, however you pronounce it, and he gives us a coin, and we take that coin, and we nurture it, and we trade it. How do we trade? We begin to release it to other people, and we declare it over our city. We trade in it, and it comes back bigger. We trade again, it comes back bigger. A bigger revelation in us. Bigger revelation in our city. And all of a sudden, the church comes into a place of authority. See, there's no authority for the church that doesn't speak the goodness of God. And maybe we haven't yet, as the body of Christ, entered into a place of great authority because we've not known how to trade in the goodness of God. The earth is full of the goodness of God. Do you know that other word for full means having no empty space? So we say, Lord, there's nowhere where your goodness isn't. In prison, in hospital, in my workplace, the earth is full of the goodness of God. So it depends what you see. You could have five return, ten return, or you can bury it in the ground. You've got to steward the goodness of God. You've got to trade in it. I'll finish with this. We read this morning, pre-service, we get our musicians and team together. And I read to them a passage of scripture out of Chronicles. Uh, it's 2 Chronicles 5.13. And it's a story about when the Ark of the Covenant's brought back into the temple. And the priests and the singers and the musicians began to play. And it says they were all with one mind and one accord. And they all sang the same thing. 
And do you know what they sang? You are good. And your mercy, your compassion, your relentless tenderness, it's really, really the word has said. It's, it's his, his pursuit over us. This is what they're singing. You are good. And your relentless love and tenderness endures forever. They were all with one mind, all with one accord, all with one voice. And the Bible says, as they sang that together, the glory of God filled the tabernacle. What's the glory of God? We've talked about it is the manifestation of God's goodness. They sang it and God did it. And he filled the tabernacle until they could not stand. You are the tabernacle. We are the tabernacle collectively. Our city is the tabernacle. And as we agree together, as we declare together the goodness of God, his presence says, what you're singing, I will do. I will manifest my favor, my goodness all over your life. So much so that you won't be able to stand. That's called being drunk in the glory. It's like, God, you're just too much. There's too much goodness happening in my life. It's just like, I can't believe it. It's amazing. And he wants to do it for you because he's given you a coin called the goodness of God. Every one of you today, as I look at you, you've all got a coin. You read that parable, no one missed out. They all started with the same amount, one coin. Isn't it interesting that one of them turned the one coin into 10, the exact amount that was given in the first place? So that tells me you can be filled to the fullness of the goodness of God if you trade in it. What I thought that is. So you all start with one. If you will nurture it this week, for some of you it's going to be really hard because you've got a lot of hostility in your life. And I don't say this flippantly because I know sometimes you've got to do it by faith. You are good and you feel nothing. You're a good. I look in the mirror and I see your goodness. And I'll keep declaring it, the goodness of God. And as you're faithful in that, as you, even when you don't feel like being kind, as you're kind to someone and you release goodness, something begins to change inside you. It begins to multiply and you get filled with the goodness of God. And all of a sudden you've got authority over all the hostility in your life. And you've got authority in nations and cities and workplace that you are in to dispense the goodness of God. Jesus came for one reason, to reveal the Father and his goodness to mankind. And he's coming back. And he says when he comes back, he's going to receive a kingdom. It's a kingdom of his goodness. He wins. All the earth will be filled with the glory of God. There will be a manifestation of God's goodness where everyone will see and know the goodness of God. Amen? Amen. So won't you lift your hands with me as we close. Father, we thank you that we've all received the gift of your goodness. Each one of us have received an impartation of your unrelenting tenderness and kindness and favor. And we want to be stewards of that. We nurture the revelation of your kindness and your tenderness. 
And we're going to trade in it this week. We're looking for opportunities to give it away, to trade with it, to see it multiply in our life. So we ask, Father, where that coin's been dented and buried, Lord, help us to dig it up again this week, to nurture it, to clean it, to use it. We thank you, Lord, for the gift of your goodness, that you are a good Father. And your goodness inside us is equal to any hostility. We declare that. For love never fails. It will overwhelm the lies, the accusations, and the turmoil that the enemy, the master orphan, would seek to raise up. Your goodness prevails. We put our lives in your hands. We trust you. Thank you for your goodness, Lord. You are good, and your mercy and your kindness endures forever. All the days of my life will be crowned with your loving kindness. My mind will be filled with relentless thoughts of your kindness. You've given me the crown of life. It's the mindset of one filled with the goodness of God. Thank you for that, Lord. Tenderize our hearts so we would dispense your goodness everywhere we go. For those that cut us off as we're driving. For those that are angry with us. For those that are rude and ignore us. And for those that are just so broken that they don't know how to give back. Let your goodness flow this week. We want to trade in your goodness, Lord Jesus. So would you use us this week? Holy Spirit, flow through us. We ask in Jesus' name. We receive your love. We walk with you in the cool of the day so we would be able to go out and bring light to a dark world in Jesus' name. Just keep your hands up if you can and just rest in his goodness. Just let him fill you. Just see his goodness filling you this day. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. His presence is here. And right now, he's just, he's just filling you with love and his goodness. He's singling you out today. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. It overcomes the questions, the doubt, the whys, the hows. Overwhelm us with your goodness. We ask in Jesus' name.